This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I may not have gone where I intended to go, but I think I've ended up where I intended to be. Douglas Adams. It was a terrible, it was a terrible idea. But we went ahead and we did a single day ascent of Mount Shasta. Um, we started at about 11 p.m., made the summit in nine hours. There was nobody else out there because the conditions were terrible on the mountain. I remember getting up to about 13,000 feet and looking around me as the sun was coming up and going, what am I doing? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I ended up, we, but I ended up making it to the summit. I ended up making it back down. Um, said I would never ever do that again in my entire life. It was such a miserable experience. But then of course I went back again the next year and was like, I'm going to climb Mount Shasta again. I'm going to go a different route though. But I, I climb Mount Shasta again. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. 
We are in for a real treat because we are talking to a mountain runner, an outdoor guide, and a storyteller who has her own podcast. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Ashley Winchester. How's it going, Ashley? It's going great. I'm super happy to be here. And I love how this all came together because initially I received this random DM on Instagram from a guy who says, hey, you should really talk to Ashley Winchester. And so I said, that's a great idea. I'll reach out to her. And then you know, he and I continued our conversation and I had him come on the podcast because he seemed like an interesting guy with some some good stories. And I come to find out that Jason Hardrath is n- doesn't just know of you. He, he knows you very well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's so funny how he does that. He'll he'll reach out to to other brands and um, like podcasts and be like, Oh, look at this awesome person. She's doing great things. And he, he never mentions what our relationship is, but yeah, we've been, uh, dating for like four and a half years. <laughs> so yeah, I say he knows me pretty well. <laughs> so funny. And then he, he actually is on the podcast as well. Now, I mean, he, you, you are episode, let's see, I think you're going to be episode nine and he was episode five. So spoiler alert, if you if you haven't listened to season five, episode five yet uh, with Jason Hardrath, give it a listen. He's got some some uh, a pretty incredible tale to tell. He's been through some some serious um, challenges and has come out the better for it. So a uh, very interesting guy to talk to. And, uh, he, you know, he just has that enthusiasm when he talked it was a, a great episode he's very competitive also he he assured me that his episode would be better than your episode oh did he he did yeah. <laughs> well i actually uh i i don't want to say that he's probably going to be right but um he is more of a talker than i am he loves talking in front of people he loves talking with people to people i'm a little bit more introverted um so <laughs> maybe like he has a little bit more practice than i do but I don't know. We have very different stories to tell. Ashley, you're you're a podcaster. You talk to people. I do. I know, which is funny because I do consider myself an introvert, but I I do talk to people. I, I'm one of those people where once I have like one of these conversations, like even after we talk tonight, you know, I'll probably have a ton of fun, and then afterwards, I'm going to be like, "Whew!" Like, give me a burrito and let me take a nap. <laughs> It's it's funny because I consider myself an introvert as well. I do okay at social gatherings, but I, I don't necessarily look forward to them. And it, it's funny that you know you consider yourself an introvert. I consider myself an introvert, and here we are. We're we're, we're hosting a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's kind of funny how it works out that way, but it is kind of a way where, like, you can have really great conversations, and then you sort of cut them off when you're ready to be done. <laughs> and then you can take the rest that you need as an introvert. <laughs> so I think it works out pretty well. Nice. All right. Hey, I know that your your specialty is kind of mountain running, trail running, guiding. Have you picked up a trail name along the way? <laughs> um, No, actually, nothing that has stuck. I've had a couple of people um, try to give me trail names, and I just didn't really love them and it just never really stuck and I haven't found anything trail name wise I actually just found out not that long ago that you can give yourself a trail name I didn't know that was part of the like rules um I think, I think there are rules rule. yeah <laughs> um but there are plenty of like famous um you know like long distance hikers who gave themselves their own names like Anish um she gave herself mm-hmm. that name 
And so, um, yeah, I just haven't found anything that really sticks, but, um, like, uh, when I first, the first time I hiked the John Muir trail, I, um, we ended up, you know how you kind of like, like leapfrog with people on the trail all the time. Yes. Well, this guy ended up sort of like joining me and my friend, um, for uh, several days and he ended up calling me gazer and called her blazer. Um, because I would stop and look at things like flowers and scenery and butterflies and all the pretty things like yeah I get distracted really easily and stop and look and so he called me gazer he called her blazer because she never stopped for anything she'd take pictures while she was walking and just keep going <laughs> but like I thought it was cute but it just didn't stick around yeah, it just didn't feel right so no I, I don't have a trail name yet okay and I think I think uh, Jason also did not have a trail name and nope. I think I tried to I think if I'm remembering correctly I think I tried to give him one we went through several different iterations and we may have come up with pivot uh as a possibility unless i'm misremembering this could be a completely different episode but i I think it was pivot and he seemed to like that one so yeah that's a good one that's a good name yeah i like that because i think he was he was on a he was on a course he was on on a trajectory of of what he wanted to do what he wanted to accomplish and then the accident happened and Mm -hmm. he had to kind of change gears and so i thought pivot was uh was he, th- he thought it was pretty interesting i think unless yeah. he was just blowing, unless he was just blowing smoke at me so that's all right <laughs> he's like yeah doc that's great <laughs> yeah sounds good sounds good Take so maybe we'll find one for you tonight too we'll see <laughs> yeah if, if you can find one for me that would be that would be fun okay all right now that i've been challenged I, I always uh rise to the challenge so here we go <laughs> uh hey ashley have you had a chance to listen to the podcast or are you just coming on blind I am coming on blind. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I know yes. I'm one of those. <laughs> I <laughs> podcast myself, but I don't actually listen to very many podcasts. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. do you listen to your own podcast? Uh, only when I'm editing. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> Once I I'm done to... editing, it's like I can't listen to it again. I used to listen to it. Uh, you know, I'd pour myself a cup of coffee and then I sit down in the morning it came out and I'd listen to it uh, in the backyard with my coffee. And then I've gotten away from that. I just, I listen to it as we're doing it, of course. And then, and then in the post-production editing, and then it's like, okay, done with that one on to the next one. Yeah. I just gotta let it go. Let, like, like a balloon, <laughs> just let it go. It's out the universe now. You can't do anything about it. Yep. All right. Hey, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we have that uh, comes at the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And that's where I will turn to you, Ashley, and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. See, I saw that on the schedule that you gave me and Mm -hmm. I asked Jason, do I need to worry about this? And he said, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) Jason is very competitive. He is setting you up. He is. I gotta be, I gotta be on the lookout for him now. (laughs) He said that you were pretty competitive as well, though. In a way, I think I'm more competitive with myself than I am with other people, but yeah, I I would say I'm competitive. I mean, why else would I do these things like FKTs and, you know, stage races and stuff like that? Like there's gotta be some kind of competitiveness within me for that. So yeah, I guess he's kind of right. I'll give him that one. All right. Now, in addition to the trail wisdom at the end of the episode, you're expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode. So no pressure, but make sure you save one for the end. Okay. Uh, Okay. Okay. 
the must bring gear review all right hey another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company six moon designs and here's how it works ashley if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day adventure what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed and if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear even better so ashley what is your must bring piece of gear so it's kind of funny that you that the segment is sponsored by Six Moon Designs because I would say my Six Moon Design Fast Pack has been like one of the most amazing pieces of gear that I've ever gotten. Um, I I I think that like as far as backpacks go, if you you can pack pretty much anything into a backpack if the backpack fits well and sits comfortably, you can use it. Um, you can use whatever that gear is. So even if your gear is a little bit heavier um, and you're, but you're carrying it in a pack that fits you really well and is really comfortable to carry and carries weight well, then that's like far better than having the most, like the lightest pieces of gear in a pack that is uncomfortable and doesn't carry well. Um, so honestly, for me, my six moon design minimalist pack is like the piece of gear that I choose for every, like every fast packing um, adventure that I go on multi-day adventure, multi-day FKT. Um, it's, it's my go-to, um, you could probably put whatever inside it. And I think I've carried probably about 30 pounds in it before. And wow. it's, it carries pretty comfortably. Yeah. That's not very minimalist 30 pounds. No, <laughs> but <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Whitney LaRufa, if, uh, AKA all good. If you're listening to this uh, episode, there you go. Six moon designs was called out during the six moon designs segment for the must bring <laughs> piece of gear. Fantastic. Whitney works for six moon designs. He was a former guest on the podcast. He's a all around great guy. Uh, and I hope he's, he's listening to this while he's out on some adventure. All right. Hey, Ashley, I've got uh, this next segment. It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole. And that's P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. This is pole like a survey, not like the poles you carry in your hands on your adventures out there. Uh, I've got two sets of questions, and I'm not sure which one to use with you. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask your opinion. I've got seven questions in either category here. It's going to help me determine your level of sanity. I'm going to give you oh, a boy. I'm going to give you a score. From a scale on a scale of one to a hundred, one being completely insane and one hundred being completely sane. Spoiler alert: nobody's ever gotten a hundred before. So, um, the the first group of questions has to do with kind of through hiking, backpacking experiences. And so, I'm not sure if you do you you said the JMT. So, I mean, yeah, you could probably answer those questions. The other the other quest set of questions are the big issues in society that uh, we're wrestling with across the world that we could probably spend an entire segment or maybe even a season on some of these questions, but I just want your initial reaction to see what side of the fence you fall on. Um, probably the, the, the first side, the, the backpacking through hiking. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll go, we'll go with the, the first set of questions just to, to <laughs> share with you what you may have missed out on. I'll pick, I'll pick a single question from okay. the other set uh, to let you know what you missed. Uh, one of the possible questions in the second set could be, Ashley, what is your most useful skill in case of a zombie apocalypse? Oh, oh, those are the kind of yeah, okay, I mean, societal. Are, you know, mm -hmm. Gotcha. 
Mm-hmm. Not what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't get political on this podcast. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I was like, I am not diving into that territory, <laughs> whatever that is over there. But but that's fun though. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe when you come back on again, we can do the other set of questions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I yeah. Next time we'll we'll go for the other set. Okay. Now, what before we get started, what is the name of your podcast? Uh, my podcast is called Women of the Wild. Um, okay. Yeah. So I was going I was gonna invite myself onto your podcast, but obviously that uh, that's that's probably not going to work. Yeah. No. Sorry. No. I yeah. I t- I tend to interview uh, women in the outdoor space who are making waves, doing cool things. Um, I use it to inspire and educate more women. Try to get more women into the outdoors. Set audacious goals. That kind of a thing. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> Outstanding. Here, I'll give you I'll give you a suggested guest in case you haven't had her on yet. Uh, Cameron Peterson. Cameron K-A-M-R-I-N. Cameron Peterson. Okay. She's doing some guiding up in the Pacific Northwest with just strictly uh females. Great. Yeah, love to talk to her. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for this this hiking poll? Uh no, but let's do it. <laughs> okay. Did did Jason tell you any of the questions no not no jason uh <laughs> jason did not prep me very well for this interview i guess <laughs> but give, did he also choose guy, that side gotta give that guy a high five yeah <laughs> jason jason uh we went with the hiking questions for him so oh, okay all right. all right first question easy and and it's not just a one-word answer you have to explain yourself as well Okay. Kind of give me some context to your answer. Cause sometimes I can completely disagree with you and uh, you could talk me into your, your point of view if you do it well enough. Okay. Cause the sanity score is strictly subjective based on what I think is the correct answer. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's no, there's no, there's no fairness involved here. It's just, you know, what I think it's, it's my podcast, Ashley. It's not yours. <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I get All it. Right. Question number one. Trekking poles or no trekking poles? Trekking poles, one hundred percent. Trekking poles. I actually no wrote. Hesitation there. No hesitation. Um, I actually wrote an article one time about um, the use of trekking poles and like mostly in running because it's used a lot in um, obviously hiking and backpacking, um, but like running poles and running economy and breathing and stuff like that. It's running or trekking poles can be so, so helpful for so many different reasons. And I think those of us who are like diehard trekking pole people um, totally get it because like trekking poles kind of essentially give you four wheel drive for one. So like going up hills, you're like, you can use your trekking poles to push up the hill. You can use them to help kind of brace you and slow you down going downhill. Um, I can't tell you how many times they've saved me from toppling over, Um, like, you know, running or just going down, you know, uh, a hill that's got that kind of loose, like kitty litter kind of dirt and slipping and catching myself with the poles. They keep your body more upright. um, So you actually breathe better. You have less stress on your back, um, especially as you fatigue as runners, like we fatigue and we tend to do this thing where we're like, starting to hunch over and you see it in backpackers too, you know, backpack weight, you, they start to kind of, they get, I call it a crump, you know, you just like start to crumple and 
<clears throat> using trekking poles like helps keep you upright. You breathe better, better running economy. Um, I am a big trekking pole fan. And I actually, when I first started backpacking and ultra running, I was like super against trekking poles. I was kind of one of those people, like really naive. I was like, that's for old people. I don't need those. But then I did a backpacking trip on the southern portion of the Lost Coast Trail, which is just like unmaintained trail. It's super steep, like up, down. Um, you're in and out of like streams and bushwhacking. And I did not take poles and I regretted it immensely. Um, and from then on, I was like, okay, I'm getting poles. And then I started using them in my running adventures. And it was like, where have these been all my life? <laughs> Why have I not been using trekking poles? Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. I use uh, Lakey trekking poles um, for both backpacking, guiding in the mountains, um, and for trail running. Ashley, this is going to be a great interview. I can tell already. We're, we're one question in. One question in. We've already hit on uh, four-wheel drive, kitty litter dirt, and the crump. I mean, this is, this, I, yeah, I, I might be inclined to give you the trail name of poet because you, you just, these are just dripping off of your lips here. This is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. All right. Question, question number two, boots or trail runners? What's on your feet? Oh, trail runners. <laughs> 100% trail runners. I, um, so I love boots for people who are just getting started in hiking because they are so supportive. And if you don't have those like uh, ankle stability, like those muscles that help with ankle stability and knee stability um, developed, then I think that having a little bit of, um, you know, ankle support in, in hiking boots might be a good idea. But for me, in my experience, hiking boots tend to leave me with blisters. Um, I, I don't like the extra ankle support with the higher top hiking boots. I like my feet to be able to move really naturally. And most hiking boots have, you know, like pretty stiff, um, soles and plates and, you know, all sorts of things in them to make them really rugged. Um, but I, I really like ground feel. I like to get the feedback from the ground when I'm running or hiking. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a trail runner fan all the way. That being said, when I'm obviously in the mountains and doing like mountaineering objectives, like I'll have mountaineering boots on and those are super stiff and really rigid. And, um, but that's a whole different field. Now, side question. This doesn't count towards these seven questions in the hiking pool. You ever set a FKT in hiking boots? No, <laughs> no, I've never set an FKT in hiking boots. Um, I don't think I'm trying to think if I no, I, I think I've only ever worn trail runners. Um, there was a moment where I had a pair of La Sportiva hiking boots that I was using a lot and like snowy conditions, um, like up on Mount Shasta and stuff like that. And I don't think I used those during my first Mount Shasta FKT, but um, I for sure have not used like hiking boots for FKTs other than that. <laughs> okay. Now, another question not related to the hiking pole. What what's on your hat? I can't I can't quite tell what the logo is there. Uh is it's path hat? projects. Yeah. Path projects. Oh path, not bath. No, not bath. Path. P A T H. Path with a P. Got it. Like okay. you're following a path. 
<laughs> Got it. It's very, yeah. very in sync with what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Question three, when it comes to shelter systems out there, are you uh, favorable to a tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just cowboy camp? Ooh, it totally depends on the situation. I've done a ton of cowboy camping. Um, when I do like big, long FKTs that might require me to sleep out overnight, um, usually I'm not sleeping for very long. I'm sleeping for, you know, maybe a max of two hours, um, minimum of like eight minutes. And so setting up any kind of, you know, like a uh, tent or tarp is just more time consuming than what it's worth. Um, that, so that in those a, cases- Is that called a dirt nap? Yeah. Sometimes it's just a dirt nap dirt where nap. you just like lay on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but I usually, I usually have some kind of bivy, like an emergency bivy at least that I'll throw out on a, like a Z pad or something. Um, especially like during my John Muir trail FKT that I did this last summer. Um, I had a half of a Z pad that I used just for my torso and then an emergency bivy that I put my put my body in for a little bit of warmth and then I'd sleep for 20 minutes and then get up, could pack it all up really, really fast. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've cowboy camped a ton in that sense. Um, there've been some, pardon me, there've been some FKTs where, you know, I did sleep for a full night and it was like, yeah, we're just going to cowboy camp, you know, sleep out in the desert, um, on some slick rock (laughs) and, and, you know, find a comfy spot and just, gaze at the stars for a little while. Um, but then I've also, you know, I use tents a lot, especially as a backpacking guide, introducing people into the outdoors. Um, they usually feel more comfortable with pretty sturdy tents. And so, you know, have, we, we usually use tents for that. I have used a tarp, um, in the past, but I find if you have, you know, as a guide, if you have a lot of gear, even if you're just like backpacking in a more traditional manner, um, rather than fast packing, then, um, you have a lot of gear. You're going to want to, I usually yard sale everything out, <laughs> like everything comes out of my bag and ends up to spread everywhere. It's better for me to do that inside a tent <laughs> than, you know, under a tarp. And like so pack, pack explosion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I mean, I'm not sold on any one way to do it. I do like cowboy camping. Um, but comfort wise, I feel like sometimes I'm more comfortable in a tent. <laughs> okay. Now I'm really excited because um, like you, I didn't do a whole lot of research. I relied on the word of Jason when he says, Hey, you need to talk to her. She's pretty interesting. She's done some pretty incredible stuff. I am just now finding out that you are the, are you, you're the current female holder of the FKT on the JMT. On the southbound solo unsupported, yeah, John Muir Trail. Yeah, don't 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 put all those qualifiers in there. I don't know. <laughs> FKT on the on the JMT. I have also talked in season four, end of season four, with Jeff Garmeyer, who just set the the uh, overall FKT on the JMT. Yeah, he crushed it. it, it it's insanity, insanity. Yeah, I, I, I think I talk about that at least once a day with somebody, just some random person. <laughs> hey, Garmeyer. 72 hours and 47 minutes on the JMT. And they look at me like, what do you, what language are you talking? What, 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 do, you, what do you mean? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, insane. it's just insane. Yeah. Three days, <laughs> three days for 223 miles. Yeah. That's 70 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's 
absolutely nuts and I don't know how he did it like he just completely put everything he had out there like mm-hmm. everything like he just yeah. did not hold back and it's pretty incredible incredible feat so I'm gonna go on I'm gonna go out there right now and I'm gonna say that uh, this is the only podcast to have the male and female FKTs of the JMT uh, as guests on the podcast so there you go <laughs> well I mean how could you not you're the John freaking Muir podcast right that's right that's right and it makes sense makes a lot of sense all right hey where were we question is this question four question four i think yeah four yeah so when you do more than a dirt nap out there do you prefer a sleeping bag or a quilt Ooh, i've used a sleeping bag more but i think that i would probably say quilt um they tend to be a little bit lighter and maybe because without the zipper, you can maybe go a little bit warmer and I like to be warm when I sleep. (laughs) So I think, I think I would, I think I would kind of lean towards the quilt. Um, During one of my FKTs, it was actually uh, the tuck up trail, which is on the North rim of the grand Canyon. It's a super remote trail. It's not really a trail. It's more of like a, route finding extravaganza um it's phenomenal but it's super remote um my friend and I Sunny Strower uh did the FKT on that and she had a quilt and I had a sleeping bag and I was really jealous of her quilt and she has she might be somebody you could have on your podcast too she's amazing she runs a guiding company she runs two guiding companies. Uh, one's an expedition company um, for women, like all women's expedition. It's called Awe Expeditions. And then um, she and her husband have Dreamland Safari down in Utah. And they take people out on like desert adventures. Um, but yeah, so she spends a ton of time out there in the desert. And I was actually really jealous of her, of her quilt that she had. Um, I thought it was, they're kind of brilliant the way they work um, and just, you know, not having the zipper. And I feel like sometimes ha- like being out there, especially if you're alone or um, with limited resources, um, zippers are just another thing that can fail. It's just another piece of gear that can break on you. And so having something that's supposed to function without a zipper kind of makes some sense to me. Okay. And what was her name again? Sunny Strower. So her last name is spelled S-T-R-O-E-E-R. All right. I like this. We're, She's we're great. Training, She's, we're, she, we're I've had her guys. on my podcast twice. Or I've had her guys. on my podcast three times. Nice. <laughs> She's, She's amazing. Strower. I'll, I'll yeah. reach out. I'll, I'm going to drop your name. Yeah, please do. <laughs> She'll be Say, like, oh, Ashley. <laughs> I'm gonna say the poet. The poet recommended that I talk to you, and she say, "Who who is the poet?" <laughs> um, I'll give you. We'll, we'll keep trading guests all night long here. I'll give you another one uh, for your podcast, Lael Wilcox. Have you heard of her? I've. She's on my list. Yes. Have you interviewed her? I've not interviewed her, but oh, she's on my list to interview. So good. Her. She got some stories. Let me tell you. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Really good. Really, really good. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to reach out to her. I think I reached out to her once before and she was like, Yeah, I'll totally come on. And then I dropped the ball. Um, 
but <laughs> yeah, I'll have to have her on the podcast for sure. Okay. Question five. Uh, when it comes to food out there on the trail, are you stove, <clears throat> cold soak, or stoveless? Ooh. Again, it depends. Um, I have totally done the cold soak route, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, it's not exactly good. It's just, it's enough. Um, it's like good enough. Um, but if you're, you know, doing a multi-day adventure where you want to move fast or want to cover a lot of mileage and pack weight really, really matters, then not having a stove, um, I think is a good way to go. Um, I love having hot meals when I'm backpacking. So if I'm just backpacking and I'm not necessarily, you know, trying to cover 30 or 50 miles a day, then yeah, I'll, I'll totally bring a stove. And I really love the peak refuel, um, dehydrated meals. They're my favorite and they're so good and they're so filling and, um, that, yeah. So it, it kind of depends. I've also, you know, gone a few days just eating snack food, no cold soaking, no, no meals, just a lot of, a lot of high calorie snacks. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Doc took a business trip uh, for a week and I, I went uh, stoveless as well. I wasn't out on the trail. I was just on the couch, but you know, that's how. That's how <laughs> oh my gosh. I've totally, have you ever, you probably have, have you ever eaten a backpacking meal while sitting on your couch? Like, <laughs> like I'm too lazy or just like, I can't function or something. I, I'm just going to heat up some water and make a backpacking meal. A ramen bomb. A ramen bomb. Yes. I actually, um, I was in Bhutan recently and I like locked myself in my hotel room and I didn't feel like calling or like looking at a menu to get any kind of room service. So I happened to have a peak refill meal with me and I was like, this is what I'm having for dinner. I mean, <laughs> it was go. just one of those nights. All right. Question number six, is life better above or below the tree line? <clears throat> Sorry. Um, is life better above or below the tree line? I think life can be a little easier below the tree line, but I really love being above the tree line, if that makes sense. I think, I mean, obviously like below tree line, you're less exposed to weather elements. There are more resources. You usually have, you know, there's, well, depending on where you're at, access to water. There's, I think cover is like kind of a big deal. When you're above tree line, you're kind of, you're in it. And whatever elements come at you, like you just kind of have to deal with it. And I love that about being ab above tree line. I like um, kind of that exposure, um, but it is definitely a lot less comfortable. <laughs> than being below tree line. So I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, you kind of got there. I'll, I'll factor that <laughs> into the score. All right, last question. Question number seven. What's more important? I know the answer to this question already for you. What's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Um, <laughs> Pack weight, I think. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I, for FKTs, I want to go as light as possible. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm guiding a backpacking trip, though, I'm all about comfort and I want my luxury items um because you know I'm I'm out there I'm working basically um and 
I want to be able, I have to be able to take care of myself really well in order to take care of, you know, the eight to 12 other people that I'm in charge of. And so for me, when I'm guiding, I really need, I really want my luxury items. I, I want to sleep really well. I want to be comfortable. I want to make sure I'm eating well. Um, and, but then, you know, when I'm doing my own objectives, comfort, luxury, it's out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Now, Ashley, bear with me. I've got to do some math here. Uh, I got to put it through, put your answers through the, the John Freaky Muir algorithm. Um, so I got to carry the three, got to divide by root two. We're going to multiply by pi. And then we're going to adjust for the atmospheric pressure at the top of Whitney. And hmm. you come out with a solid score of 57. 57? 57. There's an automatic point deduction for anybody who does an FKT out there. So, sorry. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is it a point deduction per FKT or is it just like you have? You know, FKT? I wanted to give you some points. So I just did <clears throat> just one one deduction. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask, do you remember what Jason's score is? <laughs> oh, I've, I've got it written down here in my handy dandy notebook. Uh, let me go back here. You scored nine points higher. Really? He was a 48. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. So I'm crazier than Jason? No, no, no. You're, you're a little more sane. The higher oh, the score, sane. the saner you are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Does that make sense gotcha. in your relationship? Are you the sane one in the relationship? Yeah. I would say I'm the one who I, I speak a little bit more reason into things than <laughs> Jason's a dreamer. You know, he comes up with these crazy ideas and, you know, sometimes they're great and they work really well. And sometimes I kind of have to be like, well, let's think about this for a second. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, Ash, let's back up a little bit. Uh, let's talk about where you, your background, where you grew up, uh, what kinds of sports and hobbies did you play as a kid? And how did you get involved in the outdoor adventure cult? Oh yeah. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Northern California called Boonville. Um, B-O-O-N-V-I-L-L-E. Like it's out in the, the boonies. boonies. Out in the boonies. Yep. There you go. Okay. <laughs> it's out in the boonies. Um, it's kind of on the like far northern coast, but a little bit more inland. So it's like not right on the ocean, but in this beautiful little valley. And I was really fortunate to grow up the way that I did because I had access to a lot of acreage. Um, my dad worked in the wine industry. He grew grapes, which... I know that sounds like um, pretty ro- romantic, um, but it's a it's a really hard industry to be in. And he's he was basically a farmer, um, so you know he worked tw- twenty hour days in the dust and the sun and you know around chemicals and um, it it's a it's a really really hard job. So I I just don't you know like whenever I tell people like oh yeah my my dad was a vineyard manager people are like, wow, that must've been amazing. All the grapes and da, da, da. And I'm like, it's really hard. Um, so like agriculture family kind of is what I'm saying. And so, um, but we had access to all of that land that the grapes were being grown on. And um, one of the properties that we lived on was like 990 acres and not a lot of that, a very small percentage of that was actually grapes. And so we had access to wildland when I was a kid and my mom basically would just kick me and my brother out the door. <clears throat> like I have an older brother and a younger sister. 
Um, my sister is seven years younger than I am. So my brother and I did a lot together. We were only a year and a half apart. And my mom would just kick us out the door, go play. And we would take off into the wilderness, basically. <laughs> and like, you know, she taught us survival skills. We knew how to forage. We knew how to, you know, avoid animals. Like we had mountain lions, and bears and rattlesnakes out there. And um, we learned at very young ages how to handle ourselves in the wilderness. And I, I definitely, I know that that plays a lot in what I do now and my, my level of comfort being out in the wilderness, especially alone. Um, so yeah, I grew up running around barefoot, um, <laughs> probably half naked, um, climbing trees, you know, running along the trails, that kind of a thing. Our um, like family vacations were was camping. And so, you know, we'd go out and camp and my brother, you know, we'd do the same thing. We'd take off, we'd ride our bikes, we'd take the boat out, we'd go fishing. Um, and we also did a lot of hunting when I was a kid. Um, so just a lot of survival skills from a very young age. And then as, as far as sports go, um, I played softball in high school. That was kind of, kind of what I did. I also, <laughs> I was a cheerleader. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, you can call that a sport if you want to. I'm not going to argue about it, but, <laughs> um, so softball cheerleading was kind of my main sports. I, I hated running when I was younger. <laughs> I just thought, thought it was the worst activity in the world. I, I did not understand all of the kids who were doing like cross country. And I just, I didn't get it. Um, I was like, why would you want to run? I hated running the mile in PE, you know? Um, so I didn't actually get into running until my mid twenties. Um, but yeah, that's kind of <laughs> similar. So I, I, I didn't like running at all. Um, I'm, 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 I'm still not sure that I like running, but I do it multiple times a week. Uh, I didn't get, I didn't get into running until my mid forties though. So. Yeah. It's never too late. It's never yeah, too that's late. Right. That's right. Yeah. There you go. That's your first bit of trail wisdom right there. Never too late. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I love about your answers are that um, you went sequentially, sequentially in the order that I asked them. Some people I'll ask that multiple multi-part question there and they'll start with the, the last thing I mentioned and kind of work their way backwards, which is always confusing to me, but uh, <laughs> this is a check in the right column for you. So good oh, work. Boy. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't change your score. You're still 57, but you know, it just kind of reinforces <laughs> that. Uh, but did I answer all the questions? That's, that's what I'm wondering. I think, I think you hit on, on all four parts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yep. Nice job. Well, you asked me, you did ask me, how did I um, get into like more of the adventure stuff that I'm doing now, which. Well, yeah, we didn't quite get there, but I mean, just growing up with that kind of wilderness in your, in your backyard. I mean, that kind of, I thought that's how you answered it, but if you, if there's more, we're going to hit that in the next segment. Uh, okay. We're going to take a quick break when we come back, we'll hear more, a little more about that. And we're going to get into some, uh, some of your adventures, some of your FKTs, um, what happened in Bhutan. I, I, I have all kinds of questions for you. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Ashley, no trail name, Winchester. And uh, we heard a little bit about her growing up and she did a fantastic job on the the hiking pole. We feel like we're a little bit short in one area though. We, we You have more to tell us about how you got involved in outdoor adventure. How did that all change for you? Um, so I, I, I told you that I kind of grew up with more conventional sports. I I didn't actually start running until my mid twenties and I didn't find trail running, um, until maybe a year or so after I started running. Um, and it's kind of funny how it came about because I've always been an outdoorsy person. I've always loved hiking, camping, that kind of a thing. But the idea of trail running just never occurred to me until I was actually out on a training run and, I was jogging on the like road that went through the um, local park just in the town. And I noticed this like little dirt trail off to the side across the creek. And for some reason, part of me was like, I want to go run on that trail. And so I just like walked across the creek in my running shoes, got on the trail and started jogging. And I had the like 
the most fun I've ever had in my life, just on this like rolling, buttery single track. And Ashley, that's how I, that's how most most horror movies start. <laughs> no, this <laughs> this is a romance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a rom it's a rom com. It's not a horror story. It's a rom com. Yeah, yeah okay. this is not a horror story. Um, yeah, my life is <laughs> romantic and full of comedy. Um, so yeah, I, I hit this wonderful trail and I was just like, where, why have I not done this before? So I started running trails and I just got super addicted. Um, and this is like pretty common story for a lot of trail runners where it was like, oh, I, you know, started running on roads and then, wow, all of a sudden I hit this trail and it was like mind blowing and life changing. And so, um, started obsessing about trails, um, started running races, running ultra marathons. And then, um, I finally was like, well, why haven't I like gotten into backpacking, rock climbing? It was just like, I want to do everything. I'm going to do everything outdoors. Um, any adventure that came my way, I just said yes to it. And so a friend invited me to go rock climbing and I was like, yeah, I'll go rock climbing. And then I fell in love with that. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go backpacking. So borrowed a bunch of gear from somebody, went backpacking and was like, wow, I really love this. And it actually like that, my first backpacking experience changed my whole life trajectory. Cause I was actually thinking, I was like going back to school to go to nursing school. And I went backpacking one time and was like, no, I need to spend my life outdoors. Like, this is my calling. This is what I need to be doing. Um, and so, and then it was like, my friend was like, do you want to go climb Mount Shasta? And I was like, yes, I'll climb Mount Shasta. I had no idea what to expect. I knew nothing about the mountain. I just blindly followed her into it, which is not a smart way to start mountaineering. Um, <laughs> we literally, like, I rented all of my mountaineering gear the day before. I'd never used any of it before. I'd never used an ice axe or crampons or anything like that. YouTube video, how to self-arrest with an ice axe. It was, it was a terrible, it was a terrible idea. But we went ahead and we did a single day ascent of Mount Shasta. Um, we started at about 11 p.m., made the summit in nine hours. There was nobody else out there because the conditions were terrible on the mountain. I remember getting up to about 13,000 feet and looking around me as the sun was coming up and going, what am I doing? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I ended up, we, but I ended up making it to the summit. I ended up making it back down, um, said I would never, ever do that again in my entire life. It was such a miserable experience. But then of course I went back again the next year and was like, I'm going to climb Mount Shasta again. I'm going to go a different route though. But I, I climbed Mount Shasta again. And then I really started like learning all of the skills involved with mountaineering and, you know, climbing and, and all of that. And slowly over a couple of years, just fell in love with that mountain specifically and, and mountaineering. And, um, and so that's how I kind of got into mountaineering. And now I'm a guide, <laughs> I guide on Mount Shasta. <laughs> So let me pause you right there. We've got a lot to talk about right there. I got, I've got a lot of questions and comments on this. Uh, first <laughs> is when you do your podcasts, how do you how do you select an episode title? How do you how do you figure out what you're going to call the episode? Um, 
you know, I, I went from naming all of the episodes to just having the name of the guest as mm-hmm. the name of the episode. Um, I felt like that simplified it. And also when it came to the graphic design of the. Oh, you're um, fancy. You got graphic design for each episode. Holy smokes. I, well, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was so doing I, I look for my titles during the course of the conversation. And I think you 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 said something perfect that just really jumped out oh. at me. I want to do everything. <laughs> this is season five, episode nine. I want to do everything. Dash Ashley Winchester. <laughs> that's the episode that's, right there. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I and like it. I, I've come across, I, I have a, a trail name for you. Now it's up to you whether you accept it or not. But uh, you know, we're talking about doing things just on pure, I don't know, instinct, instant reaction, impetuousness. I mean, you you take the dirt track. I don't know where that goes, but I'm going to run on that. You you head up to the top of Shasta with no preparation whatsoever, other than watching a couple of YouTube videos. You you come on the JFM pod without uh, having any, any idea what you're getting yourself into. Uh, I think I think your trail name is Leap, as in leap before you look. I mean, <laughs> it, it seems to be a, a theme with you. Pivot and leap. I like it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But that does make me think. So I, I've adopted this saying um, that I use throughout my John Muir Trail FKT. And it was all heart. And because I tend to go into things with my heart rather than my brain sometimes. And also, I feel like if you go into something with your whole heart, your all heart, you'll be able to pull through, make it through, make miracles happen. That's what happened to me on the John Muir trail. And so um, I actually have all heart tattooed on my arm um, and it's kind of become my thing. So I don't know if that's a good name, all heart, but. (laughs) Okay. I like it. I like it. All right. Now we we have bandied about this uh, acronym for quite a bit uh, during this episode, FKT. If there are some listeners out there who have just stumbled across the JFM pod, have no idea uh, the, the, the things we talk about, but they're listening anyway, because we're just two interesting people. Uh, help help us define, you know, what is an FKT, Ashley? Yeah, so FKT stands for fastest known time. And a fastest known time is basically what it sounds like. It is the fastest time that has been put down on a established route. And that route could be, you know, something like the Pacific Crest Trail, which has some crazy fast times on it, or something as short as like a five mile loop in, you know, the state park that's near your house. Um, The thing about these routes is that they have to be uh, considered classic and something that somebody would want to maybe travel to the area from out of town to go and do. So you can't just do like, you know, an FKT on your local 5k run around the block. Like that doesn't, that might work fine for a Strava segment, but that doesn't really work for like an FKT. Um, FKTs need to be something that is like, you want to show, you know, it's something that showcases the beauty, the, the great things about a certain area. And so um, F, there are new FKT routes being established all the time and submitted to the fastest known time.com um, website. And you, you can totally do that. I've 
created and submitted new routes. Um, but there are literally thousands of routes on the website that you can you can go look them up, check them out, see if you can put a faster time down. So you beat me to the question. I was going to ask you, is there an organization that keeps track of these, knowing full well that there is, but you already made that point. So nice job there. And <laughs> I had the chance to talk to Buzz Burrell on the podcast. Buzz Burrell yeah. is the, the person who- Founder. Uh, founder of FKT. He he says that he he didn't really coin the term, but he was just involved in the early stages. He, he gives credit to his partner uh, early on, but- uh, he was he was really fun to talk to. He had some some pretty crazy stories. Yeah, he's a character. I I he interviewed me and Jason a couple of times for the FKT podcast um, that he used to um, he was in charge of. Um, now actually, Heather Anderson is the host of that podcast. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about uh, your favorite topic and my favorite topic. I think your favorite topic is FKT. My favorite topic is the JMT. Let's combine those two and talk about your experience on the JMT. How did that go? Where did you come up with the idea of, hey, let's let's try and set the the southbound, all those qualifiers you gave it, FKT, uh, <laughs> the, the John Muir Trail? Yeah. So, um, well, what's funny is the John Muir Trail FKT was the first FKT that I'd ever heard of. It was like, when I first heard of fastest known time was because of the fastest known time that was put on the John Muir trail. I don't know how many years ago, but it was one of those things where back then I was just starting to get into running and I was like, man, that would be cool, but I would never be able to do that. You know, that that's something for elite professional ultra runners. Like I'll never be able to do that. And, you know, fast forward some years, I've been doing ultra running for some time, backpacking for some time. I actually in 2019 went to backpack the John Muir trail and um, my friend and I did it in 16 days. It was a crazy adventure because it was early July of 2019, which is a pretty significant snow year in the Sierra. And the like 50% of the trail was under snow. And we were actually breaking trail in some areas because people were bailing out so much like there there were no footprints to follow in some areas so we were route finding in the snow um the water levels were super high because you know it's july things start melting um so the water crossings were absolutely insane and i finished that 16 days and was like i want to fast pack that i want to do it in, in seven days and kind of put it in the back of my mind for a little while and was like, well, that's something for future Ashley to do. <laughs> you know, um, the idea of actually doing the FKT didn't really occur to me until obviously I started doing FKTs and I started really like looking at times on some of these longer trails. And I noticed that the southbound time um, for the women's unsupported, solo unsupported um, southbound time was like pretty beatable. And I sort of set my sights on that and was like, well, that would be a really cool thing to to do when I fast pack this trail someday. And then <laughs> I actually, last year, um, the summer of 2021, um, I ended up with a permit for the John Muir Trail out of Happy Isles, which is the official start 
the northern terminus of the trail. And, you know, it was the exact permit that I needed. I happened to get it in the lottery and I was like, great, I'm going to fast pack this thing. Maybe I'll get the FKT. And then as the year wore on, I was sort of like, you know what, I'm going to go for the FKT. One week before I was supposed to start that trip, I actually, um, it got canceled because of fires. And so I was like pretty devastated because I felt like I had decent training throughout the summer. I had supported Jason during his Bulgers FKT um, by carrying, you know, heavy packs, big miles, lots of vert. Um, I felt pretty strong coming out of that summer and um, just to have it canceled a week before I was supposed to start. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, we'll see, maybe I'll get the permit this coming season um, for the, for the next year. Applied for a permit, didn't get it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I had a really, really rough start to this year. Um, I actually was guiding down in Argentina um, on a big mountain called Aconcagua in January. And our whole team um, ended up getting COVID. And we were at camp two when that happened, which is uh, about 18,000 feet of elevation. And so everybody's sick with COVID, a lung, you know, like a lung a lung disease at 18,000 feet. And so I actually ended up coughing my way into a pretty gnarly rib injury. Um, I pulled a bunch of intercostal muscles in my ribs and I was out for like six weeks. I couldn't train. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't sleep. It was some of the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, after I finally recovered from that, I got really sick, probably from the flu. I tested negative for COVID. Um, but that took me out for another five weeks. And then I ended up getting COVID <laughs> again. And it had some pretty long standing, like long COVID type symptoms for a couple of months. And I was actually just starting to get back into training. Um, when I decided to just check and see if there was a permit available for the John Muir Trail out of Happy Isles. <laughs> And so I log into recreation.gov, look at the permits and there's one available. And I just snagged it. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't care what day it is. I don't care. Like, I'm just gonna, I, I need this permit. I got the permit and then I was like, oh, what did I just do? It was for a week from that day. <laughs> I hadn't trained at all and I was, thinking about doing a fast pack slash FKT of a 220 mile trail. And I, I totally panicked, but I was also like, I need to do this. Like I have to, I, there's no other choice. So I actually you just, spent, you just, you just leaped, leaped right into it. See that? I did. Yeah, I know. Or is that, that's <laughs> leapt. You leapt into it. Leapt, <laughs> leaped, leapt, um, tomato, tomato. But, um, so I actually, that week before the starting the JMT, I actually was guiding a backpacking trip for four days. And then I had like a day of travel and then a day to prep for this 220 mile trail. <laughs> and so I put all my stuff together. Um, I, you know, I have the gear that is kind of my tried and true stuff and threw together a bunch of food. I rented a bear canister 
um, and packed up my six moon design bag and was on trail the next day. Um, what was your pack weight? I have no idea. No idea. Didn't, didn't want to know. I, it's not that I didn't want to know. It's that I, um, because I packed in such a hectic manner, <laughs> um, I didn't actually didn't have a scale or anywhere to weigh it. And I didn't see one in Yosemite. Um, you know, how sometimes at trailheads, you'll see those scales hanging. They have them at Whitney portal. And, um, I just didn't, and it, it didn't matter anyway, because my gear was my gear and I wasn't going to be able to change it. Um, you know, within a couple of hours of starting. So it was sort of like, it's just, we're going to huck this and see what happens. Yes. And, and so what was the previous, uh, record? What was the previous FKT? Um, it was like six days and 12 hours, I think. Um, and so my goal, like my ultimate goal was to do the whole thing in under seven days. I wasn't necessarily expecting to get the FKT, but I thought that I could try for it. And if it happened, it would be a really cool outcome. But I also knew going into it that I had almost zero training, um, you know, leading into it, I was just really going all in on nothing. And so, I mean, I had my base fitness, but you know, there was zero, there was no specific training. I had almost no high mileage weeks, um, six for six months before, you know, jumping into this thing. And, um, so yeah, there was no, there was no way in my pack. It wasn't going to change anything. Um, so yeah, I know that's like one of the first questions people ask me is what was your pack weight? I, I have no clue. I'm sh- I think it was maybe under 10 pounds. I'm not, I'm not sure though. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, how, how long did it take you? What was, what, what was the end result? So it took me five days, 20 hours to get from Happy Isles to the summit of Mount Whitney. So that's like the official start and the official end of mm. the trail, Northern and Southern Terminus. FKT includes that descent from the summit of Whitney to Whitney Portal, which is like an additional 11 miles. Um, at the time, though, they, it wasn't included that last little bit. The last 11 miles was not really included in the, in the whole FKT. And so I submitted it as, you know, from trailhead to summit, um, like the other athletes had done before me. And then once string bean and, um, Jeff Garmeyer did the FKT back to back, they decided to like really solidify the rules surrounding the Southbound FKT. And so they had me change my time. So it ended up being six days and four hours or yeah, six days, four hours um, from trailhead to trailhead. But if I, I honestly prefer, I would prefer that the John Muir trail FKT be the whole John Muir trail and not the John Muir trail plus a little bit. That's, that's me personally. And I know some of the other athletes who had done it, like agree, but because they want to just make sure everybody plays by the same rules and that it's standardized, um, they decided to make it go from trailhead to trailhead. So there was a little bit of like confusion there at first. My, my time when it first went up on the website was five days, 20 hours. And then it got changed a few weeks later, um, to, uh, six days, 
four hours, I think. So. Well, I am a, a John Muir Trail purist and for what it's worth uh probably probably not a whole lot but you know i think it should be from the the trailhead to the summit i mean that's uh that is that is the official john muir trail the other part you have to, you just have to get off the mountain to get back to you know civilization but you know yeah. it's, it's the longer the john muir trail yeah i tend to agree but i mean it makes sense to want to standardize it that's sort of all most of the fkts that have been done on the trail have been done from whitney portal going northbound and they've all been, and that's like the, I would say the, the most competitive direction to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those FKTs have been submitted trailhead to trailhead. So in order to standardize everything um, and make, they wanted to make sure that southbound was the same as northbound, um, they decided to tack on that, you know, the last bit. So it, I mean, it, it is what it is. You have to complete those miles anyway. Um, so I guess it makes sense. A lot of FKTs go trailhead to trailhead. I mean, it's like a really clean way to, you know, mark beginning and end. So it makes some sense. Yeah. It would have been a real shame if you decided to take a, a three-day pause at the bottom of the 99 switchbacks, right? Then you like, I know. You get it. I didn't get it. I, I didn't yeah. know. No, and I totally wanted to. I actually thought about seeing if Jason would hike up to trail camp there and bring a tent so that I could take a night off there. I actually uh, got to the summit of Whitney the, the day before there was this kind of like gnarly wind rain hailstorm that came through. And the, the summit of Whitney was icy and there were some slick rocks up there. And I got up there. I think I kind of like let my guard down because it was sort of like, oh my gosh, I did it. <sighs> you know, I, I relaxed, slipped on a rock, pulled a muscle in my quad, <laughs> like immediately. And I kind of was like, well, it's a good thing I'm done, you know, um, because it was it was really rough getting down that mountain. I couldn't step down with my left leg. Like it was useless. And so I was, it was, it was it took a long time <laughs> to get Actually, down. That could, have been a, that could have been a disaster. Holy smokes. I know. I and, could have totally missed the FKT. Yeah. And you know, as a mountaineer, I think the percentage is like 60 to 70% of all mountaineering injuries, or maybe it's deaths happen on the way down because they, they, you feel like you summit. Okay. I've done all the hard work. It's just going down now. And they kind of let down their guard a little bit. And that's when all the serious bad stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I teach when I'm, you know, out there on, on the mountain and taking people up and down mountains. But I, yeah, I mean, after 200 miles, it was sort of, I think I was, I was done. I was ready to be done. And I definitely, I think I let my guard down a little bit and let myself slip, but I got down. I was fine. I healed up within a few weeks. It was totally okay. Down, and you got done quick enough that you were able to still qualify for the FKT. So congratulations. Yes. That's very exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was a wild experience. I mean, I've never experienced that much sleep deprivation before. And the hallucinations that came along with that were intense. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if you, how sleep deprived you were or if you hallucinated. Uh, Garmeyer really didn't have a whole lot of hallucination stories. What what kind of hallucinations did you have out there? Oh my gosh, I had so many hallucinations. So the hallucination started on like night two, um, because so I had this like plan to sleep a chunk of every night, 
thinking that I would get, you know, maybe four hours of sleep a night. And I feel like four hours of sleep a night is pretty sustainable for a week or maybe more, um, especially like when you're move when you're pushing your body. And so I thought, you know, like I'm going to sleep for four hours a night. I'm going to move for 20 hours a day. And the first night I laid down to sleep and was like, yeah, I can't sleep for four hours. Um, I just, it, it, I was uncomfortable after about 30 minutes, I was tossing and turning and I kind of was like, why am I doing this? So I changed my tactic to just take dirt naps or bivy um, whenever I got so tired that I was falling asleep on my feet. And so I actually, um, I hardly slept at all during the whole thing. I think I slept maybe an hour a day, um, all added up and maybe got six hours of sleep during the whole entire thing. And when you're, when you're pushing your body kind of constantly and not sleeping, um, that really makes for some interesting experiences. That's pretty impressive. Um, Garmeyer, Garmeyer, I think said he got an hour and a half of sleep each day. That was for three days though. So you got four and a half hours of sleep for three days. You only got six hours of sleep for, for five, five plus days. I think that, that yeah. is, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and like, so I would have gotten more sleep and more rest if I had been able to move faster. I was moving really slow during the days because it, it like there was this heat wave and I could not, I could like, I, I couldn't move fast, especially up the big climbs. Um, it was just so hot. I stopped at every stream and it was like splashing water on my face and, you know, drinking tons of water. And I just felt super dehydrated and my electrolytes were off for a couple of days. I could feel it. And, um, just moving really, really, really slow. And so in order to make up for that, I had to move as much as I could through the night while it was cool. And so, yeah, um, that's, that's why I ended up like not sleeping very much. Um, so so what did you see out there or what did you (laughs) you saw? Uh, I saw so really interesting things, actually. The first thing that comes to mind that I remember (laughs) is so there's a section of trail and there are pine cones everywhere. My mind turned those pine cones into hermit crabs. And so there were like these hermit crabs with a pine cone as a shell, if you can imagine that. And I could not stand the sound of the crunching if I stepped on them. And so I was like kind of skipping along this trail, trying to avoid stepping on all these pine cones because the pine cones were actually hermit crabs. And if I stepped on them, I was crunching them. That just felt terrible. So that was, that was one of the, <laughs> that was one of them. I'm going to have there was a, tonight. <laughs> there was a, a period of time too, where all I saw, I just saw bears everywhere. You know, I'd look around and there'd be like 20 bears. And I'm like, I know that that's pretty much impossible that there can be that many bears in one area for us like this. And one thing that I learned was that um, my mind is very rational. And it so when I'd see these things, I would pick them apart and just kind of be like, no, that's not possible. So like with the hermit crab pine cones, I like I saw them and I was like, oh, I can't step on them. And then there was this rational part of my brain that was like, hermit crabs don't live here we're in the mountains. Like that's impossible. And so 
I was able to like the hallucination went away and with the bears, it was kind of the same thing. It's like, well, there, there can't be that many bears around me. Like, and so I would, I started seeing bears everywhere. And if they were frozen, if they were stood totally still and didn't move, I knew that they were probably my hallucinations. And then there was another time where I saw really weird things like, um, little dogs in, in like biker jackets. Um, they were like these pugs that <laughs> had these like little leather jackets on. And I was like, what are you doing out here, buddy? <laughs> um, it was the most ridiculous thing. Um, but there were two other things that like really came to, that come to mind when I think about my hallucinations. And one of those was um, what I call my shadow puppy. <clears throat> it was a, a giant black wolf that was so realistic looking to me. Um, I remember I saw it on the, on the coyote plateau and it was in the forest and I was staring at this thing and it's, it's staring back at me. And I was like, the, it looked like the fur was like moving in the wind. I mean, it was like, it was so realistic that I actually like yelled at it. I like, clapped my hands and it was like, yo wolf, you know, like get out of here. And like, it didn't flinch. And so that, that was my first indicator. I was like, okay, it didn't move. It probably isn't real. And then I thought about it and I was like, there also are not giant black wolves in the Sierra. Like they just don't exist here. And so that was the other thing. So I was able to just turn away from it and keep walking. I had this, like, I kept turning around and like seeing glimpses of it over my shoulder and then it would disappear. So I called it my shadow puppy because it was like my shadow, the black wolf that was following me, but it, it never felt, um, it never felt like it was malicious. And so I was able to just ignore it. <laughs> um, but that was the night I actually messaged Jason on the inReach and I told him, keep an eye on my dot because, you know, on the GPS tracking, things are getting weird out here. <laughs> um, and so I just wanted, like, I needed somebody to make sure that they were keeping an eye on me over overnight because we were heading into the night. And then that night, I went through this, you go through this area of forest that is full of, like, this really white um, granite, just, like, big granite, um, white granite, sparkling granite. Um, it's everywhere. And at first, I was like, wow, this is magical. It's so pretty. And then the sunset and the granite turned into, like, pieces of porcelain sculptures that had broken apart and so like the sound of the granite under my feet sounded like breaking porcelain and I, I look around and there was like chunks of dolls and heads and you know pieces of these like porcelain sculptures just everywhere and it like that was that was the night where I was like wow things are really weird right now <laughs> um that was my last night out there and I just kind of was like, just keep following the trail. Just, just keep following the trail. Like ignore, ignore what's going on around you. You know, it's not real. Just keep following the trail. And so um, actually when I got to Guitar Lake, I took a 20 minute nap there because I knew I was like, I'm about to start this climb up Mount Whitney. I, I really need to be a little bit more like on it, a little bit more <laughs> awake than this. So I took a quick nap at Guitar Lake and then started my ascent. I've, I I want to say that these these hallucinations that you've described to us kind of open a, it's like an open window to your soul and what, what's going on in that mind of yours 
And I'm not sure what it all means, but uh, I had fun listening to it. <laughs> I've been thinking about that for months now. Like, what did it all mean? Like, why, why did my mind choose those things to like create out of whatever was out there? Like, why porcelain? Why sculptures? Why, yeah, why hermit crabs? <laughs> yeah, you know, Garmeyer found himself uh, asleep in the pumice next to the next to I think this Tyndall Creek. And he, he doesn't remember going to sleep. He actually, you know, fell asleep while he was upright and woke oh, up, wow. woke up on the ground, which is yeah, just bizarre. I mean, that that's how much you're, how much pressure you're putting on your, your body and your mind out there trying to, trying to, to do what you do. Yeah. It's crazy what happens and everybody's different. Like every, all, all the ultra runners that I've talked to who have done big multi-day things like that and experienced hallucinations, everybody's different. Um, some people it's auditory, some people it's visual. Um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. That is fantastic. Do you have a favorite moment, not on the FKT, but in the Sierras? I mean, con combine your JMT experiences. Did you have a, a favorite moment, a favorite location out there? So my favorite location, um, I would say it's probably hands down the section of trail that goes underneath the Palisades. Um, the I think it's the Palisades, the Palisade Crest. Mm -hmm. Um that is like one of my favorite places ever with the those huge peaks towering above you and these beautiful lakes around you. And it, the the way the trail goes along those ledges of rock, it's just I, I think it's so it's like the even the both times that I've done the trail, it's been my favorite part of, yeah. of both of them. Um and I really love I actually love going up the golden staircase. Yeah. there i it's just such a cool like feat of like engineering but then also it's just like a great climb and you end up you know you come up over this crest and there's this beautiful waterfall and then you go up a little bit further and there's like these lakes and mountains it's just it's it's just glorious <laughs> yeah i've done the golden staircase three times now on on the jmt both you know all three times going southbound and as much as much as you approach it and you're like, oh, this is going to suck. I mean, this is like straight up for a while. It is just so incredible. It's so you get up in a hurry and it's just uh, gorgeous. And I don't know if you can see my my background. That is Evolution Lake and uh, Mount Darwin and Mount Mendel uh, on, yeah. uh, on this side, on this side. And it, it's, there's really something to be said about walking on this little trail with the lake right next to you and these huge, huge towering uh, mountains uh, immediately just going straight up and kind of looming over you. It's, there's, there's no, nothing else like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's so many sections of the John Muir trail that is just mind blowing mm -hmm. and evolution, that whole area, the mountains and the, the rivers and the lakes, it's just, it's, it's all so amazing. Um, and like, you just, you just can't, experience it unless you just you get yourself out there and that's it's one of the things i love about that area is you know you just the it feels remote um yet it is also kind of accessible it's like fairly accessible um and it's just super beautiful absolutely now ashley you you've had a lot of other adventures and i'm afraid we're going to save some of those adventures for the next time you come on the podcast yeah. Because I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Women of the Wild Pod and what was your motivation for starting that and, and what can people expect to find when they, they tune in 
to the Women of the Wild pod? Yeah. Um, so Women of the Wild was started actually right before the pandemic. Um, I started it December 2019 um, because I want the, my goal was to kind of figure out a way to sort of build community. And within that community, then I could, you know, help inspire more women. My, my big goal with it was to get more women in the outdoors. The thing that really spurred the podcast was um, I was actually in Utah and over Thanksgiving and I was, I went on a run with Sunny, my friend who at the time we just met and it was sort of one of those things where it was like, well, let's just go for a run and like have a chat. And we had such a good conversation and we talked about women in the outdoors and empowerment and, you know, outdoor ethics and just like all these great things. And I was like, man, I wish that I could record that and share it. Um, and that kind of spurred the like first little thoughts of a podcast. And of course I was like, I've never podcasted before. What am I like? This is impossible. I'm an introvert. I don't like, I don't put myself out there. I don't go out and just like meet new people and start conversations. And I thought it was totally out of my ability to do, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so through the month of December, I was like slowly kind of doing some research and then came up with the name women of the wild. It just like popped into my head one day. And I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. Like, I'm just, what, what's the harm in trying. Right. So I went ahead and recorded an episode with Sunny. Um, she was my first guest and she was, let me back up a little bit. She's the first person that I brought the idea to. And she was like, no, you have, I think you need to do this. Like, I, I think that this is necessary. And so I was like, well, okay, well, will you be my first guest? Yes. So recorded an episode, put it out there. It seemed to go over well. And then I was like, okay, let's see how this goes started recording more episodes and putting them out there. And then the pandemic hit. And then I found myself without much work um, and a fair amount of free time to just focus on recording podcasts. And so I started doing more episodes more frequently and started gaining a little bit of traction and um, building a little bit of community. And was like, this is, this is really cool. Um, I actually, I think I mentioned to you probably before we started recording, I've been taking a little bit of an extended break from the podcast, but I do have episodes recorded and I'm feeling, definitely feeling the itch to get them, to get them out there and in the world. Um, but I, I interview people, women who are doing cool things in the outdoors, but I also interview women who are like, you know, maybe focused on nutrition for um, you know, ultra runners or nutrition for rock climbers or something like that. I actually recorded an episode um, with um, Fly Nutrition, who does, she does a lot of the, um, her name's Kylie. Um, she does a lot of the nutrition um, articles for Trail Runner Mag. Mm -hmm. And so I've interviewed her just about like nutrition and runners. Um, I've interviewed you know, women who just like decided to go out and do something really cool out their back door. <laughs> um, you know, I inter interviewed a woman from Washington who she decided just 
like of her own accord there was no race there was no um fkt it wasn't driven by anything other than she just wanted to do it she rode 100 miles on her bike from her door like her front door to the trailhead for glacier peak she climbed glacier peak and then rode her bike 100 miles back to her house and she called it the glacier peak century sandwich and I thought it was just so cool that she would want to do something like that out of just with with nothing pushing her besides her own desire to do it. Um, and so, yeah, just like a lot of different adventurous women doing different things in the outdoors. They're, it's not all runners. Um, you know, there's mountaineers and rock climbers and mountain bikers and kayakers. Um, so a lot of different activities. So, so many things in common with the John Freaky Muir pod. I like to say that, that, you know, the, the pod is, you know, we talk about through hiking a lot, we talk about hiking a lot, but really it's about outdoor adventure and there are the outdoor adventure is you think of it as the tree. There are so many branches on that tree, different types of adventures out there. And so it sounds like you're doing, doing very similar things and talking to some, some great women out there. I'm going to drop some other names for you. Uh, have you ever heard of Dina Zabaldo? No, I don't. I'm not familiar. So with she that. was a guide in Everest, and she actually won the the World Guide Award. They give out one of those each year, and she was I think it was 2014. She was the World Guide Award winner. She was a lot of fun to talk to. I just happened to to have an in with her because she's my stepsister's friend. So out of nowhere, my stepsister says, "Hey, you should talk to Dina." I'm like, "Who's who's Dina?" And it was just <laughs> a great great interview. Tomorrow, I'm talking to Elena Osborne. Tip tap. Uh, who is from New Zealand. She's been on the podcast before and does a lot of great things uh, out there as well. Um, I had a third one for you. Um, I'm talking to Ariel Scheip later uh, later this this season. She's going to come on. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. Yeah. Yeah. And then Amity, Amity Warm, W-A-R-M-E. She is a big wall climber who are doing mm. great things out there on big sheer faces of granite, which is just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, they all sound amazing. And mm. yeah, I'll have to re-listen to this podcast in order to get those names. That's right. Okay. <laughs> well, at least, yeah, you're going to listen to at least one episode of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've got, I've got, I was going to ask you what's next, but I've got what's next for you. I think you should go for the FKT on the Barclays. What do you think? <laughs> Barclay marathons, FKT. Let's do it. Well, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I've told Garmeyer, I said, Hey, I'll volunteer to be your crew on the oh. Barclays. When you go back to the Barclays, I'll be, I'll volunteer to be on your crew. Same offer goes for you. So if you, if you decide <laughs> to take up that challenge, set an FKT on the Barclay, that would be, you've already got one crew member to help you out. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. First, I'd have to get invited though. There's that whole like weird an, invitation a, only thing. Yeah. It's an application process that is so top secret. I mean, you can't yeah. find it anywhere. You have to talk to the right people and yeah, it's uh, very mysterious. There's a lot of mystique about the Barclay. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the draw, I guess though. Huh? Okay. Well, I definitely have to have you come back on for another episode because there's a ton of stuff we did not get to talk to. Uh, I really want to spend some more time with you talking about FKTs, other things that you've done out there, uh, your longest trail run, the, you know, your, your, the FKT that you're most proud of, the FKT where you broke, you shattered the previous FKT. I mean, there's all kinds of questions I have for you, but we're not going to get to them tonight. Yeah. I, I, well, you'd have to send me those in advance so that I could 
do do my research because <laughs> I don't know FKT that I shattered. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll I'll send you those questions ahead of time. Yeah. All right. Hey, Ashley, you know where we are? Where we are? Yeah, where are we? Uh, on the John Freaking Muir podcast. That is correct. The Pro Tip Insight of the Week. Where we are is we are at the Pro Tip Insight of the Week, where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. I hope you held something back in the tank here. What do you have for us? <laughs> um, Don't be afraid to fail. I think... So many people, especially going into things like FKTs, trail races, um, big adventures in general, are terrified to fail. And I think that there's so much that we can learn from failure. I think failure is a better teacher than success. Um, and so going into something with the potential of failure, I think is a kind of a, a great place to be. When I did the John Muir Trail FKT, I knew that there was a pretty high possibility that I could fail, that I would have to be, that I'd end up calling somebody like, hey, come pick me up at this trailhead um, because I, I just wasn't sure that I had it in me, but I did. And if I had been afraid of that failure and worried that and let that, you know, affect my decision making, then I wouldn't have done what I did. And I wouldn't have had the experiences that I had. And there have been so many times that I've gone into an FKT or something and, and failed miserably. And I, you know, went through those emotions and was sad and angry or whatever. But then, you know, if you have the ability to reflect and look back and see what you did wrong and see what you could do right, what you could change, um, what can you learn from this experience is pretty profound. So I think that would be my big lesson. Well said. Don't be afraid to fail. Uh, you show me somebody who has never failed. I'll show you somebody who's never learned anything. So I, yeah. I, I've, I've learned a lot over the years. Let me tell you that. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Ashley. I want to thank her for joining us this week. Ashley, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, that is like a most responsive on there. If you send me a message on there, I'll probably get it. Um, so yeah, feel free to look me up on Instagram. My name is Ashley.Winchester and my first name is A-S-H-L-Y. There's no E in Ashley. A lot of people make that mistake. <laughs> Um, so Ashley.Winchester, my Facebook uh, is, is kind of similar. It pretty much regurgitates what I put on Instagram. So, um, but if you're a Facebook only user, you can find me on there too, Ashley Winchester. Um, and that's pretty much it for socials. I have a Twitter. I never use it. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I should probably start that at some point, but no. Um, so yeah, you can look me up, follow me. Give, send me a message. I'm happy to uh, share any kind of knowledge, info, data. Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok? I didn't hear TikTok in that list. Ah, uh, no TikTok. I actually do have a TikTok account, but I've I, I've never, I like signed up for it and then deleted the app because I was like, I just can't, I can't get into it. 
Yeah, my daughter forced me. She said, "Dad, you got to get a TikTok. You, you, that's how you're going to reach people. TikTok, the, yeah. the new generation." So that's what they say. <laughs> all right. And if you want to, if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakinmirror at gmail.com. And just like there's no E in Ashley, there's no G in freaking. It's John Freakin', no G, mirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Speaking of my daughter, that's her pretending to be English on those little intros there. Ashley, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, some kind of adventure media that's going to keep our listeners connected to the trail. We call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, first... Uh... Uh, someday I'm actually going to publish a memoir. It might be like 10 years down the road, but keep an eye out for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll be full of adventure stories. Um, I've got, a, I've got a title for you. It's, it should be called, I want to do everything with, I want to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> Leap of faith. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course I have to take this opportunity to plug Jason's documentary, um, journey to 100. It's a film. Uh, supported by Athletic Brewing that documents his journey to 100 FKTs. Um, I make some appearances Amazing. in the movie as oh, well. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Tune in. Yeah, it's a it's a 30-minute documentary, Journey to 100. You can find it on YouTube or Outside Watch. Um, but it is, uh, it's inspiring and definitely makes you want to get out and hit some trails. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss tonight? I mean, we missed a lot, but is there any, any nugget, <laughs> any nugget of, that you want to share with us? Um, yes. So just quick story, a um, little background first. I was recently in Bhutan, um, which is a small country, like east of Nepal. It's like in the Himalayas. It's absolutely stunning country it's so beautiful um but while i was there uh i met the his his majesty the king of bhutan multiple times um but i went to this festival um in the highlands of bhutan called the royal highland festival and it's a festival that celebrates um the culture in those highland communities up there it's a really unique culture um they herd yaks they use yak milk for everything um and while we were there I was there with some some other uh people involved with the race that I I did in Bhutan and <laughs> the king comes up to us his majesty the king approaches us and the race director looks at him and he goes we want to ride a yak and the king goes you want to ride a yak like yes we want to ride a yak and he's like okay we have some more conversation the king leaves and we were kind of like okay and <laughs> a few minutes later this person comes up to us and they're like come 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 ride a yak and we were like no way oh my gosh so we go and we got to hop on this yak that was like elaborately decorated in this beautiful saddle and we're like led around and you know we all ride the yak and so <laughs> i like to say that I got to ride a yak um, because his majesty, the king, made it so, <laughs> which just like made it makes me so happy to be able to say that <laughs> by order of the king, <laughs> I Ashley, got to ride a yak. 
Ashley, you are well connected. <laughs> well connected. His Majesty yeah. made that happen for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is about twenty minutes later, we saw His Majesty the King riding his own yak. So I think we inspired that. I would assume that the king the king has his own yak. Yeah, he has many. Yes, <laughs> he has many. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freakymir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Ashley? Oh, always. Um, of course, shout out to Jason who got me on this podcast. Shout out to, um, you know, my mom and dad for raising me the way they did. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you have just spent the last few hours trying not to step on the hermit crabs. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>